As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football League show, fake plastic birds at Lincoln, Plymouth's lengthy pilgrimage pays off, the TFLS curse hits hard, Stevenage are no longer revelling in Alex, and we hear from the new Berry Man at Newport. This is the Totally Football League show, in association with Paddy Bauer. Howdy listener, another week eight. Hope your weekend was pleasant. Now we're here, let's delve into that League One and League Two action, shall we? With me today, Sam Parkin. Hello Matt. Hello Sam, Adrian Clark's here too. Good afternoon. And it's a TFLS debut for the former Rochdale midfielder Joe Thompson. Uh, these days you can hear Joe on Squad Goals on the BBC Network every Saturday. Great to have you with us Joe. Thank you for having me guys. Looking forward to getting stuck into it. No champo this weekend, so League One number one on our agenda. You're listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League One headlines, Plymouth took advantage of other teams not playing to go above Wigan into top spot whilst MK Dons are up to fifth. Pompey up four to tenth after winning at Wickham, who missed the chance to go level on points with Wigan. Crew were the only side in the relegation zone to play, but they lost against Bolton on Friday and are now six points from safety. Johnny Jackson still hasn't got the Charlton job. That noise you can hear is collective bafflement. Uh, what was it I said about Ipswich and Oxford games? Three of the last four meetings have finished 0-0. Hasn't been more than a single goal in a game between the two of them this millennium. Accrington Stanley are investigating after Plymouth keeper Michael Cooper said he was subjected to consistent homophobic abuse on Saturday. Ian Everett scored a 15-minute hat-trick as the current Bolton squad took on a team of Wanderers legends this weekend. Everett wore the number 10 shirt, recently vacated by Anthony Sarsovic, and Big Sam Allardyce replicated his famous dance with JJ Okocha. Uh, more importantly, they raised money for research into motor neurone disease. And Lincoln are using fake plastic birds of prey to discourage crows from wrecking the Sinselbank pitch. Obviously, uh, not very eco-friendly, but quite funny. And let's get to the games then. Plymouth Argyle continue to make a certain A. Clark look daft. The Pilgrims on the longest unbeaten run in the EFL. Their latest came at Accrington. They won 4-1 at the Wham Stadium. 
Uh, Joe, as mentioned by uh, George Ellick on the quest show that Sam was on, they've got the depth of squad to keep this up, Plymouth, by the look of it. It's not one of those that's going to fall away in the second half of the season. They have. And, you know, I've listened to Ryan Lowe on numerous occasions over the last few weeks. He's he's confident. He's buoyed by, obviously, the results. 16 games unbeaten. And when you've got Ryan Broom scoring sensational goals like that at the weekend from midfield, you can see the confidence within the squad. Pretty impressive stuff so far. And a, a pretty impressive manager, Adrian, I think. We we liked him when, when we had a chat with him on the show the other week. But what he's done with that squad has been pretty sensational so far. Yeah, definitely. I really liked him. And he he was, as Joe said, really boyish, you know, about... about about their prospects moving forward, Plymouth Argyle, and I think I think he's got some excellent players there. He's rebuilt the defence this year, and and they've been excellent. And yeah, the, 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 what's not to like about about Plymouth Argyle at the moment, Jordan Houghton? I, I love the the calm finish at the weekend, as well as Ryan Broom's finish. They they get stronger in games. I think they've only conceded seven in the second half of matches this season, which shows how fit and how, how they wear teams down. And, and and the facts speak for themselves. They've not lost since the opening day. So yeah, Plymouth Argyle absolutely flying. And yeah, they were too hot for, for Accrington to handle in this game. Uh, in case you're wondering, listener, boyish is a cross between bullish and buoyant. Uh, boxes I knew, I knew I hadn't got that right, but I just didn't want to correct myself. But I quite like the word. Yeah, no, no, we'll keep it. It's fine. Um, they were pretty boyish in this uh, in this game in particular, Sam. <laughs> Accrington, not so much, but I guess they're just going to write it off and say, hey, we're playing the best team in the league. This will happen. Yeah, the, the current best team. Um, there's obviously some really strong outfits in League One. They, they were on the receiving end of the same scoreline against Wigan, which I thought was probably a more complete performance. This probably flattered Plymouth somewhat, and I think there's mitigating circumstances for it. Accrington, real problem with their major players missing right now. We know Dion Charles isn't available because of contract situations, but to have Colby Bishop missing as well, I mean, I love those two when they're in tandem. Um, probably the you know one of the best strike pairings in that division, but... They're missing Pritchard, missing Butcher, Morgan as well. So some senior statesmen. It meant that they only had Mansell um, up top. Normally have the two up top and he's very inexperienced in terms of, of League One level. So yes, mitigating circumstances, but completely agree with the, the guys that um, Plymouth... I think Plymouth just know that shape, know Ryan Lowe's style of play so well. He never deviates really away from the 3-5-2 um, and irrelevant of who he puts out there, they seem to be finding a really high level of performance, whether that be Garrett coming in for Jeff Cott at the weekend, Gillespie coming in for uh, Galloway, uh, left-sided centre-half. It's all working for him. It's It feels a bit like Lincoln last season. So whether they'll be able to maintain this pace is questionable, but they're certainly going to be you know, in the promotion shaker. It's a good shout with Lincoln, by the way, because... A couple of their star players are loanees, aren't they? And are they going to be able to hang on to them moving forward? Ryan Broom's been so good that Peterborough United are looking at it either potentially to bring him back or to sell him. I know Darren McAntony said he could think of half a million reasons why Argyle would want to sign him full time, which was which was quite quite savvy of him. Jordan Garrick's, of course, on loan from Swansea. Just a quick one on Accrington as well. This Dion Charles situation is really unhelpful, I think. 
you know, key man, someone that's clearly improved them as a team, yet he's ostracised because of this contract dispute. It's not healthy. I mean, Joe and Sam will know this. Not healthy to have a senior player hanging around that's peed off, for want of a better phrase. It, it really can, can be damaging. So I hope they can sort it out because, yeah, they're missing a, a very good striker there. Yeah, we'll see if there's any movement in January, I guess. Uh, now then, the Chuckle brothers were famous for their catchphrase to me to you, and that's exactly what Scott Twine and Max Waters said to each other on Saturday as the pair grabbed a brace each for MK Dons in their 4-1 win over Cambridge, who weren't laughing, uh, much like the audience of Chuckle Vision, uh, somebody a bit meaner than me <laughs> might say. Uh, Joe, MK Don's up into the playoffs now. I mean, if one thing's going to going to guarantee you success in this division, it, it's a goal scoring front pair, and, and it looks as though they've got them. It's great to see Waters back into into form after a pretty miserable year or so for him. Yeah, definitely. And you know, credit to Liam Manning since coming in from uh, with Russell Martin, obviously going off to Swansea. It was a question: Can they keep that momentum? Can they have that style of playing? They're fifth in the league now. A terrific. 4-1 win against Cambridge at the weekend and it was almost done and dusted after the first half an hour or so but those two that are getting the goals Scott Twine and Max Waters it's like it works you can see they've got that relationship they know where each other are going to be and for Max Waters that's four in his last uh, scored in all four of his last games so he is getting that rich vein of form and that confidence back in and yeah for, I suppose if you're an MK Dons fan long may it continue some are saying it's uh, Mooney and Parkin all over again, Sam. Uh, those, 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 some being me, I suppose. Um, we know you love Scott Twine. What, what is it in particular that's impressed you about him in terms of his style of play, other than just the goals, I suppose? Well, I suppose the the first thing was picking a a move where I wouldn't say he was going to be guaranteed to to play, but it was a, it was a it was the perfect step for him to go to a championship club and not play. And I think you have to credit the people that look after him. Well, I know Brian Howard is one of his representatives, one of my old teammates. And I, th- I know that was at the forefront of his mind, selecting a club which, and probably plays a style that suits him. Scott Twine's obviously a player who picks up pockets of space uh, between the lines where he can get turned and get shots away. And you can't look beyond his shooting ability, the, the free kicks, the finishing. You know, for a young player, what a great example to young players of someone who's honed that technique. The Ronaldo free kick strike it's just it's brilliant he deserves so much credit probably for staying out for umpteen hours on the training ground to perfect that because he there's not many I can think of across any level that have taken that so quickly into a first team stage so love that about him um, seems like a really good kid uh, he was a bit of an out and out scorer coming through the ranks at Swindon in terms of a, a predator six yard box player so he's added different strands to his game um, and yeah, Joe spoke about those two, the, the, the partnership of Waters and, and Twine. But if you throw Parrot and Issa into the mix as well, four players, probably going to be capable of getting them, what, near on 50 goals. Um, they've got 19 already between them. They're assisting each other. That's enough, really, to put you in the mix. It's not a guarantee, but I think when we look at this MK Don side, they're so good playing out. I thought McEachran's been great in the last couple of games and, uh, and with those four, they've got a hell of a chance. Uh, Clark, it was a good job we booked Mark Bonner for Thursday's pod rather than today's, uh, I guess. Were they bad here? Were they just beaten by another team? How did this happen? I think MK Dons can be so good on occasion that they can 
blow you away, take the game away from you very, very quickly because of their possession play, their rotations, their athleticism really in, in forward areas as well as ability. When MK Dons are hot, they're really hard to play against. They can give you headaches, literally twist you up. And I think that's what happened for Cambridge United in the game. They regrouped. I think the second half, they they, they did much, much better. But by then, it's done, isn't it? And and yeah, there's, there's not much to, to be taken away from the game as far as they're, they're concerned. They'll have you know, easier games moving forward. He did say afterwards, didn't he, Mark Bonner, that the, th- the three previous matches maybe gave them a false sense of where they were as a team. This was a massive step up against MK Dons, who, oh, I agree with the boys. I think they'll be right there or thereabouts. When Sam talks about that, that firepower, which is obvious, but I was looking at how many shots they concede in open play, and it's the second fewest in League One, just 104 this season. And I think that's because they control matches really well. They basically defend by looking after the ball. You just don't get that many chances to score against them. So, yeah, lots of reasons to feel good, I think, if you're an MK Dons fan. Um, Cambridge will will come again. That's fine. Uh, In our preview show, we imply that Sheffield Wednesday versus Gillingham might tick the box mark snooze fest this weekend. Five draws in six now for the Owls after this one. Adrian, you witnessed it live. Was it as as bad as we feared? No, it was all right. No, it was quite relatively entertaining. It was typical in terms of Gillingham being the pantomime villains. So they they were time-wasting after about 25 minutes, which is sort of standard for a Steve Evans team if they're in front. They they just want to rile the opposition and get under their skin. And they definitely did that against Sheffield Wednesday, particularly the crowd. The the crowd just couldn't handle it. Um, In in fairness to them, they did pick up a few injuries. They lost Dempsey to injury, who's a key man. And they also lost Verdane Oliver, which was a real blow. But um, yeah, it was a strange game, really. Sheffield Wednesday had all the play, but... Not much imagination. One outstanding individual performance I do want to talk about is Theo Corbianu on loan from Wolves. Played right wing back. He absolutely annihilated the away team down that side. I think Bailey Akehurst, teenager, was making his debut. He had a really tough time. He went past him every single time. It was outstanding. Um, and he should have had about three or four assists. So, um, so yeah, it was, yeah, I think a fair result in the end. Sheffield Wednesday, Sam said... On the quest show, they're missing two big strikers, aren't they, with Gregory and, and Windass at the moment. I'm afraid Berahino, when he came on, he, he he looked way off the pace. And uh, in general, they lacked ideas inside the final third, apart from Corbiano. They're not going to go up, Joe, are they, if they keep drawing games? I know they're only a couple of points outside the playoffs, but it's uh, it's not a great habit to be in. Eight draws out of 17 matches this season. No, it isn't. And I suppose with... You know, the crowd at Hillsborough, they will want to see goals. And, you know, Darren Moore, he was a, a fabulous defender and he's gone on to, you know, into management and done very, very well. But that is the foundation. But at the end of the day, the fans and we want to see goals. And, you know, when you are missing the likes of Lee Gregory, that is an option. Um, and if they continue with the draws and the inconsistency in the way they play, um, it could be a frustrating season uh, for Sheffield Wednesday, all in all. You think Gillingham will be able to move up the table a bit, Sam? They're, they're not far from the relegation zone as it stands. Cheltenham and Crewe, their next two, would, would suggest that maybe that's an option for them to, to pick up some points. Only, only two points above the bottom four as it stands. 
Um, I, d- I don't see them making a, a, a challenge this year. I think they can, you know, finish in mid-table. Um, they're, they're competitive, aren't they? They probably lack a, a little bit of quality, but in, in Verdane Oliver, since he's gone to that club, he's become a, a, a talisman. Um, whether he's paired with Akinde or, or not, you know you're going to be in for a game when you, you face them. And that's the type of result which is going to happen quite frequently uh, going up against some of the powerhouses in League One this year. So I think the supporters would probably, you know, want to put a squad together that's going to have a go at challenging for the for the playoffs. But I don't think it's going to be this season. Uh, now then, Joe Jacobson had a great pod when he was with us on Thursday, but he had an afternoon to forget on Saturday as he missed a pen in Wickham's home defeat to Portsmouth. Pompey picking up their first away win since the opening day of the season. Uh, Joe, it wasn't even a very good penalty, was it, I'm afraid to say? I'm slightly worried. You know, we spoke about Mark Bonner, Joe Jacobson. I'm questioning what type of week <laughs> I'm going to have and whether I'm going to be able to produce anything at seven aside on Wednesday. Um, the penalty, uh, it's, a, it's one of them, isn't it? He's got such a wonderful left foot and I've played against him and I've had many a frustrating afternoon. He is so uh, technically gifted. He decided to go down the middle. The keeper's obviously done his homework. And, um, you know, for Portsmouth, that's a, a big, big win uh, because you know, Marcus Harness got his seventh for the season for Danny Cowley's men. And they have another team that have been inconsistent, that expectations there like Sheffield Wednesday, and they'll want to pick up results. And that was a fabulous win for them. But I'm sure Joe Jacobson will dust himself down and, you know, go again because the games are coming thick and fast. He's got a game tomorrow. A fabulous win, Sam, but fair to say a slightly lucky one as well, given that Wickham hit the post twice. Yeah, but they had a really good spell in the, in the second half for about half an hour where Wickham were rocking. But I mean, I, I watched a large portion of this and Wickham battered them prior to Joe Jacobson getting that penalty. Just felt like a matter of time. Vokes, Hanlon, Mometi supporting them. Um, they were really good. And they were rocking Portsmouth, but they had some big performers. You know, the goalkeeper, his first league start since the opening day. He's got two clean sheets, um, but they've got an outstanding keeper to come back. Um, He's been playing really well, so it's questionable as whether he'll keep his place. I thought Raggett was a a monster um, back there. Most headers, most blocks, most clearances when they came under huge pressure. Second half, especially when Akin Fenwa came on and... um, there was loads of shots in that initial flurry start of the game and they had to contend with facing loads late on as well. But yeah, I think, as Joe said, massive win, huge win. It was quite ugly. I thought it was interesting that he put Curtis alongside George Hurst, probably helped the young player who I don't think has affected the game greatly since he's been coming off the bench. So in the absence of Marquis, it was a big day for him and he produced Good assist for for Harness. So there was loads of good performers. Yes, rode their luck, but it feels it feels like it's coming together for Pompey. I just I just worry about the, the probably the depth there. I just think they would have probably have liked to have done a bit more business in the summer to compete with the teams who are going to be jostling at the top. Yeah, he's got his defenders fit again, hasn't he, Danny Cowley? And I think that makes a huge difference. Raggett and and Ogilvy really good in this game, um, and I think tactically. Pompey manager got this one right. Really interested I was in, in his comments after the game where he said, look, teams like Wickham look to batter you, as Sam said, and to pin you in. They hoist balls into the box, pick up second balls, and basically you can't get out. 
you're, you're camped you're camped in at times what he said was that that he, he wanted to play with two up front and harness in behind and basically leave those three up so that when they cleared the ball they had danger men they had the ability to counter really really quickly and and basically had the ability to compete for those second balls when they got something on their clearances and I thought that was a, a really sort of savvy way of looking at the game against Wickham so I, I know that Pompey fans are, are thrilled with the, the the sort of courage and determination they saw from the team so look it's that they've set the bar now haven't they that's that's how you play away from home and yeah let's see if they can keep it up yeah both Cowleys booked on the touchline uh, for Wickham though only five shots out of 21 were on target so maybe less Van Halen and more shooting practice at training uh, this week uh, right producer Abby's going to join us now to give us some league one odds courtesy of our friends at Paddy Power no midweek action so we'll just have some outrights please Abby yes yeah, so if we look at the promoted odds it's now Rotherham who are the favourites to be going up there 8 to 13 Wigan are 10 to 11 and Sunderland are evens uh, we had Joe Jacobson on the other day he'll be glad to hear that uh, Wickham are 23 to 10 but Plymouth who haven't lost since the start of the season who are uh, riding crest of a wave they are the fifth favourites to be promoted they're coming in at 3 to 1 that one's a little bit of a a funny one at the moment you'd certainly think Uh, so keep an eye on that one see how those odds change over time thanks Abby League 2 next it's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line and we're speaking to Kevin in Dagenham Kevin what's your issue mate? it's the hardware stores isn't it? They're all out of white emulsion. Uh, sorry, Kevin, what's that got to do with football, pal? Well, it's international break, mate, and I'd rather watch paint dry. You can make the international break that bit more exciting with Paddy Power's Bet Builder Insurance. Get money back as a free bet if one leg of your Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online Bet Builders with min two legs only. Max one free £5 bet per customer. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. League 2 headlines. FGR stay top despite not playing after Port Vale are held by Bradford. Exeter City's club record 18 games unbeaten lifts them into the automatic promotion places. Oldham drop into the relegation zone after a draw for Carlisle in their derby with Barrow was enough to lift them out of the bottom two. And Scunthorpe might feel they now have a hill rather than a mountain to climb after drawing against Salford in Big Keith's first game as Chief Ironmonger. But it's curtains for Alex Ravel at Stevenage as their latest defeat saw the Borough boss given his walking papers uh, and that's where we're going to start a couple of weeks back we were talking about Mansfield manager Nigel Clough being under pressure he probably isn't now his side have won four on the spin in all comps after they left the Lamex with three points courtesy of a 2-1 win against Stevenage Alex Ravel isn't under pressure now either after he was sacked on Sunday following this defeat uh, Joe I'm sure a tough decision for the higher ups at Stevenage but honestly feels kind of like the right one they've just not got going this season they haven't 21st now 14 points and I think for Alex Ravel nobody likes seeing a manager sacked um, but 
performances and results is where managers are judged and it hasn't quite happened for Stevenage, you know, four losses in the last five games. I feel for Elliot List, you know, top goal scorer, getting in amongst the goals and trying to do what he can do at the top end of the pitch. But when you can see goals um, freely at times, that's where you're going to struggle. And I looked at this fixture at the start of the week on squad goals and I thought, you know, both managers, like you said, are under a little bit of pressure. We know Nigel Clough as well, but they seem to have managed to turn the corner, Mansfield. And uh, you said before, you know, they've picked up some results and again, off the back of their Tranmere win, they've managed to put uh, two wins on the spin. So it's uh, not nice to see a manager get sacked, but I think um, all in all, if we're being honest, it's probably the right call. Your old club, isn't it? Of course, uh, Adrian, one league win since August and, and only one goal in their, in their last five games in the Division 2, conceding them left, right and centre. Whoever does come in has got a, a mountain of problems to try and address. Yeah, although when I look, looked at the highlights of this game, Stevenage weren't that bad. They played OK in the game. They hit the post twice, I think, through Jamie Reid, who used to play for Mansfield. And, and it, it, it was fine margins in this game. But you're right. I mean, the record is there for all to see. It's a shame for Alex because from Christmas onwards, they were unbelievable, weren't they, last year? They couldn't, they barely conceded a goal. I think they beat Luton early on in the Carabao Cup with a storming performance this season. And you thought, wow, Stephen is top half side maybe this year. But no, it's, it's not happened for them. Sam's touched on it a few times here on the pod about the change in style. They're definitely been in, he's been encouraged to implement a sort of passing game, look after the ball really well, but they've, they've sort of lost their, taken their eye off the ball in regards to the off the ball work and, and conceding far too many bad goals, really, Stevenage, and, and, and that's at the sort of crux of their, their problems. Who, who's going to take over? I really don't know. It's a lot of a lot of potential names. The, the Boreham Wood manager, Luke, Garrard is is strongly linked, I think, um, among many, many others. So watch this space. Phil Wallace doesn't normally mess around with appointments. I think he'll um, he'll get someone in place nice and sharpish. Struggling League Two club sounds like a job for Sol Campbell to me. Um, yeah, he's in the he's in the running apparently. Of course, he is. <laughs> uh, Sam Mansfield wise, I mean, we ought to give their owners a bit of credit, haven't we? And, and David Sharp, the, the chief exec, because it would have been easy to to pushed the panic button and ditched Nigel Clough. They went 14 matches without a win between August and October, albeit with the mitigation of injuries that, that everybody gets. But it, it looks as though now he's got players back, he, he's managing to get a tune out of them. Yeah, I, I looked at this for Saturday and um, didn't get an opportunity to say it, but it almost feels like he stumbled across this lineup. Uh, I think it's too small a sample size really to get too carried away. Like you did last year, Matt, when you thought they were going to be promoted when they won a couple of games. Um, so w- when you look at it and you've got Ollie Hawkins playing centre-half alongside John Joe O'Toole, and by <laughs> yeah. the way, they, they did brilliantly and John Joe O'Toole was playing fantastically well at centre-half, but, you know, um, those those two, I played against those two, you know, one's a midfielder, one's a striker. So... It's working right now. He's playing the one up top. Oates obviously started with two up front for the the, the season openers and they won a couple of games. Hawking scoring in, in those victories. 
And it just feels to me, yes, there may be players playing out of position, but they feel a bit more defensively solid in terms of the formation with the one-up. Lapsley's playing as a 10. He's a bit more defensively minded. So it seems to have a little bit more strength through the spine. Whether he'll continue with, with this lineup, because Rawson was on the bench the other day, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, I, I think it's too small a sample size to get too carried away that Mansfield are going to race up the table. But a good turnaround and um, yeah, I'm sure some relief for Nigel Clough. Now then, at the Suit Direct Stadium on Friday night, yes, that's the Suit Direct Stadium. It was Hartlepool against Newport. I'm delighted to say the winning manager from that game joins us next. It's the Exiles' James Robry. Uh, James, great win on Friday. You said afterwards a pat on the back is six inches away from a smack on the backside. Your back must be a lot sorer than your bum at the minute. You're making this management look look, look pretty straightforward. Uh it's it's not straightforward. Still navigating my way through it, and um, yeah, I, I do believe in that quote, in the sense of that that I'm not getting carried away with with what we're doing and where we're at, and we're trying to put things in place, develop on the things that have been put in place as well. And it's my job to keep enhancing what 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 we're doing. That helps when you've got two informed strikers to call on, and Courtney Baker Richardson and Dom Telford. You've certainly got that at the moment. Yeah, they've done smashing and they've worked really hard. I do believe that one of my key things is to play with two strikers. I believe at this level, this is the, it's, it's a way that I feel you can get uh, more opportunities at goal. And also it helps us get the pitch a little bit better and try and be more progressive. But uh, as well as those two, the, the, the rest of the lads behind them as well and, uh, and the squad have been, have been terrific since I've come in. So I've got no qualms of, of, of any any of what the lads have done obviously re- results have helped make things easier for you but but how have you settled in at the club big shoes to fill after the impact of Mike Flynn I guess it's an advantage that it's a place you've already got prior knowledge of yeah I've got prior knowledge to it um, one of my good friends Wayne Hatswell is, is assistant manager so my first spell well sorry my last spell at Newport Wayne was here as, as player coach so um, I, I know Wayne really well um, Jared Harvey was, was 23's coach at Cardiff uh, for the period of time I worked at the 18s at Cardiff when I was there. So I've known Jared for, for, for maybe eight years as well. And Jim Holman, who's a goalkeeping coach, was at Cardiff with, with Malky. So I knew of Jim before I came in and met Jim a lot. Um, and the staff as well. And the kit man, the league, I've known since I was a kid. And, and the football club in general. And I know a lot of people here because of my connections. It's where I'm from. So the transition has been pretty smooth on that sense. Did that mean that it was an opportunity that you couldn't refuse because it's Newport, where you're from? I know your first gig in management, obviously, you're going to want to going to want to take an offer, but this club in particular must have felt right. Yeah, it's just just everything seemed right, and it fell into place with with uh, being from here, having my connections, being close to Cardiff, Newport and Cardiff's close relationship helps, um, and it's almost for my first managerial job, it's it's the perfect fit. And what about the transition from coach to manager? How have you found that? And, and is it easier doing it at a different club, if you see what I mean? You know, if, if you'd gone from coach at Newport to manager at Newport, that might have been a bit trickier. Yeah, same. I could have got, if I could have gone from coach to Cardiff to manager at Cardiff, it would have been a totally different transition because I think I'm, I'm, I'm always myself anyway. I'm, I'm authentic to, to what and who I am with, with my key values in that. And I think... Going from a coach to a manager in a club is quite difficult sometimes. So that's why I think coming away from Cardiff was key for me, for my development, because 
I could implement my ideas um, quite quickly uh, with, with what I've been doing. And what have you had in, in terms of goals or targets set to you from, from the people higher up at Newport? Are they, are they talking has to be promotion this season or is there a period of betting in for you? No, they, they, they haven't said that to me. I think one, one key thing is I'll put pressure on myself anyway to, to be successful. Uh, and what's key for me is progression. Um, to be fair to Gavin and the board and Darren, they haven't put any sort of pressure like that on me. Because um, I think they're, they're understanding it's relative to, to where we're at with what resources we've got at our disposal. Uh, speaking of resources, it's November, so I have to ask you a question about transfers in January. Is that is that something that you've looked at? Um, it's something that I'll be looking at this week and, and the next week, really, just to, to see uh, what we may need to do, what we might not need to do. I'm not I'm not saying that we will, will be doing anything. I won't say we, will, we won't be doing anything. It's, it's kind of as cliche as that is as a manager to say. It's kind of it's situation dependent. We always finish with a super serious, difficult question for our managers. So here's yours. Uh, Rodney Parade, obviously your home ground. It begs the question, who's your favourite Rodney and why? Uh, Trotter, Dangerfield, Stewart or Marsh? I think, uh, well, I've got Rodney Trotter. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Rodney Trotter, yeah. That is a really, really random and difficult question. <laughs> and Marsh had to, had to be up there with a, with a shout, I suppose. Stuart, you can be a fan of or not, but Trotter, lovable loser who got there in the end. You can't get behind that story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> James, many thanks for your time today. All the best for the rest of the season. Uh, no problem, thank you. James Robry there. Uh, I'd like to know if anybody amongst our panel has played at a stadium with a dafter name than the Suit Direct Stadium. Kit Kat Crescent was one that always stuck out to me when that was the name of York's ground. Any advance on that? <laughs> no advances oh. on that. <laughs> I don't know. I played at the Kit Kat Crescent, but I don't know if it was known as that at the time. Um, no, I think that's up there, isn't it? Yeah, the Wham one, the Wham Stadium always makes me chuckle. At least that's but... a little bit more intimidating than the Suit Direct Stadium. Although I did go on to suitdirect.com and you can get a bow tie for £8. Uh, Sam, I imagine you're partial to a bow tie. That seems like a, uh, a reasonably a reasonable price for one. Uh, no, I'm not. But the, the, the <laughs> aforementioned Tommy Mooney... He once wore the obviously the Dicky bow to the PFA Awards, and he brought mm. a separate one that didn't do up to do the old draping over the um, the shoulder, <laughs> which I thought was magnificent. <laughs> Great forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it goes over the shoulder. Whatever the relaxed um, state is, once you've taken your Dicky bow off, he had two for for the, for the night in probably a probably a selection of fine cigars as well. <laughs> I've got to be honest, having never worked as a magician, I've never had any cause to wear a bow tie. Uh, Abby throws in the Totally Wicked Stadium, which is apparently a, a rugby league ground, as, uh, as a good name. Uh, right, ballerinas and Scotland have got something in common. Well, they did this weekend at Tutus specifically, Rochdale and Leighton Orient sharing the spoils. Rochdale, Joe is your specialist subject. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the mood around Scotland at the moment? I thought you were referencing me there with a the ballerina shout <laughs> on the wing. <laughs> um, they're a young squad. I watched them play against Salford at the Peninsula Stadium a couple of weeks ago and they grew into the game, uh, but they lacked a cutting edge at that final uh, third of the pitch. You know, Jake Beasley and Alex Newby, they do have that within their... Um, their armour and Alex Newby came to the fore. You know, we scored in the first minute 
And I was like, right, can Rochdale keep a clean sheet? This is the key question now. Lo and behold, obviously, Kenny Jackett's men turned it around. And again, it's that man, like Aaron Drennan, who's got the goals again. That's five in three now for him. And I looked at it off the back of them absolutely battering Hartlepool 5 0, the, the previous uh, league fixture. And I was slightly worried. But when Rochdale took the lead, I was like, right, OK. But it's conceding goals as well where Rochdale and if they concede one they tend to concede two and I think for Robbie Stockdale that's something that he's fully aware of and like I say it's a young squad they are learning but game management seems to be the key for me and I was glad that Alex Newby got himself on the score sheet for his uh, second one and I suppose all in all they'll take a draw because they need that consistency. Where they are now in the league Clark, thirteenth. That, that's all right for a, a rookie manager in his first season, isn't it? If he can, if he can keep him around there, or, or are they expecting so. to get in the playoffs? No, no. I think I think that's that's acceptable, isn't it? it it's got a nice balanced shape, isn't it? Three four three. The the, the wing backs, uh, Keir Hayne and O'Keefe, play every week. Morley and Liam Kelly. He's a good little player in midfield. Regulars. So, so yeah. You, you've got a settled line up there, Rochdale. I think they play some decent football. I think. Only Swindon and Tranmere produce more build-up attacks than they do, so they can look after the ball. They create chances, but as Joe said, just a little bit fragile game management, and and that is when you have younger players in those defensive positions, then then they will they're learning on the job, aren't they? And I think against a really streetwise Leighton Orient team, it was always going to be a tough. This is a great point for Rochdale, in my opinion, because Leighton Orient are better, I believe, than. The position that they occupy at the moment, I really rate them. I think they've got an excellent chance of of promotion this season. I think going forward, great front two in Drenan and, and Smith. And then at the back, they don't give that much away, even though they switched off in the first and last minute of this game. In between, by all accounts, the O's were, were superior. Superior, if not in terms of that revolting luminous yellow kit that they wore, uh, Sam. But I just wonder if they're almost like the Sheffield Wednesday of League One in that too many draws are going to cost them this season. They're, they're just outside the playoffs at the moment. They've drawn nine of 16 so far. Turn a couple of those into into Ws and, and you're right up amongst the automatic places, never mind the playoffs. Yeah, it felt... I don't know. Seeing that result come in and, and reading up on it and seeing the results, uh, seeing the highlights, sorry... It felt like a game that I've probably played multiple times. When you're away from home, you're quite comfortable. You haven't got that third goal. And that just shows you the competitiveness of League One and League Two if you're not, you know, a certain automatic contender, which Leighton Orient aren't. So I think they're nearly there. I suppose the experienced players need to need to manage the game better. Uh, I think these performances, when they're in the ascendancy, and it's probably... Like Joe and Adrian just touched on the naivety in the Rochdale back line. There's a couple of young lads playing regularly for Orient. There's maybe the opportunity for Kenny Jackett to bring back some experience there, give those guys a rest, but they're not far away at all because the structure of the side is is good. The firepower is really good. I just don't think they're an outstanding side quite yet. So that, that will happen again in, in League Two because going to a place like Rochdale... Um, you know, who have got some really good attacking players. I think some really good offensive players and it's quite settled 
Um, this is liable to happen, but no, no, nothing too much wrong at Orient. I still expect them to be competitive, but just need to arrest this inability to, to get over the line in games. Uh, now then, Inform Northampton arrived in Bristol expecting to step on the gas, but the Cobblers' recent good run was halted by Bristol Rovers, who won 2-1 to continue their rise up the table. It's over to Rovers manager Joey Barton for this week's banal footballers tweet of the week. He says, incredible performance from the players and the fans. Brilliant. Hashtag UTFG, blue heart emoji, thumbs up emoji. I mean, it speaks to his character that he's used the initial of a swear word in a hashtag, I think. Still not the worst thing he's done recently, is it? A reminder, he'll be in court later this month, charged with assaulting former Barnsley boss Daniel Stendhal. And next month, he'll go on trial for allegedly assaulting his girlfriend. He denies both charges. Uh, up to 14th, having lost just one of their last six league games, Sam. So uh, something's going right and uh, they've been proven right for sticking by him so far, at least. Yeah, two brilliant victories. One against Harrogate, obviously had a particularly um, strong start to the season uh, and Northampton as well. And against the odds, really, at the weekend, a goal down, um, they went down to 10 as well, but they had a brilliant five-minute spell. And a really unorthodox front two coming to the fore. Nicholson, I think it was, nicking the ball off, off Guthrie. And um, Evans finishing off really accomplishedly. So I think, again, spoke about managers sometimes stumbling across um, shapes and and uh, and players playing in tandem. This is a really unusual front two. And something I speak about often as well. Two centre-halves who like to attack the ball, like to be aggressive when you haven't got someone directly to play up against. That elusive movement can cause you problems. And I think that's probably what's behind this Bristol Rovers upturn. That and Josh Grant, by all accounts, getting rave reviews. A lad that we watched play a number of positions, Matt, during his time at Chelsea's academy, but never as a left-sided wing-back. I don't think I did. Um, but he was outstanding getting in on the far post, getting a goal and giving them a threat down the left-hand side, which they've been lacking, been a bit of a problem position with injuries and uh, an illness recently. So looking a lot better. Something that managers have got to do, Joe, isn't it? You know, you can't make additions to your squad during the season anymore. So you have to tinker a little bit and, and maybe put round pegs in square holes or, or vice versa and, and see if sometimes they end up fitting. A hundred percent, Matt. You know, you've got to be flexible, particularly with the the size of the squads as well. You know, certain players do need to be able to play in different positions and have that game understanding. For me, this was the surprise result of the weekend uh, because you looked at it when Sam Hoskins scored the penalty for Northampton. I thought just before halftime, I wonder what Joey Barton's going to say here. Um, But it was a great response from them and they managed to hold on when Glenn Whelan got sent off and when you've got that experience in the park you uh, you want him to navigate you through the game and you know two yellow cards he was sent off he'll be he'd be missed for Joey Barton but three valuable points and yeah they are they're a team that's improving but I'm sure you know the gas fans will want more Most on Northampton like this Adrian based on what we've seen of late they'd won the last four in the league without conceding. Just looking at their upcoming fixtures, uh, they do have Oldham at home in a couple of weeks, but other than that, Bradford away next, then Orient, Exeter and Harrogate all to play. So it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Yeah, tough run. They, they certainly didn't look like a side that had won four League Two games in a row 
it was really, really disappointing. I think that, that Sam touched on a really interesting point there with the front two of Bristol, Bristol Rovers. I think Northampton's defenders, they want that physical battle. They, they want to come up against a centre-forward they can dominate. What they don't want is to have that indecision, do I go and follow him into midfield? Oh, what's he doing? He's gone, to the, he's gone out to the wide areas. Who have I got to mark? I think that their movement and unpredictability, because they're not natural strikers, cause them problems in the game. And, and yeah, as an attacking force, I mean, they, they didn't have much at all, the Cobblers, in this, in this match, which was... You know, goes against recent form. They couldn't get the ball up to a Tete, the the big striker, and yeah, they look they look very average. So we, look, we'll see what they're made of, won't we, across this this next run because it's um yeah it's a tough old um, fixture list. Abby, interesting set of results this weekend. What's that done for the outright markets in League Two? So look at those promotion odds again. So Forest Green, unsurprisingly, they are the favourites. They are two to five to be promoted. At Port Vale, they of course missed the chance to go top of the league. Uh, they're the second favourite, six to four, and Exeter on the back of that unbeaten run, who haven't, who have only lost once this whole season. They're the third favourites to be promoted, fifteen to eight. And Sam's beloved Swindon uh, round up the top four with eleven to five in the promotion odds. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, now then, Joe, you're a man of many talents, including motivational speaking. Uh, it got me to thinking, which EFL person slash team would you like to give a motivational message to? And what is the message? Seeing as you're the expert, you can go first, Joe. <laughs> oh, you said it, not me. Um, <laughs> no, my motiva- uh, motivational message would be to the Charlton board. And I've gone short and sweet. He lives and breathes it. Now let him lead it. Johnny Jackson in. Um, you know, three wins and a draw in the league. He said it at the top of the show. We're all still waiting. Thomas uh, Sangard, give him a contract and, and let him do the job because he's been terrific. And I listened to him in the week. Uh, he spoke about speaking to the leaders in the group and what they want and having that transformational style as a leader and putting a smile back on the face. And if the boys are enjoying training, uh, the results will come on the pitch in due time. Fantastic. Love the rhyme as well. Uh, Sam, you've got the unenviable task of trying to follow that. Yeah, he's done that before, hasn't he? (laughs) If if Jacko's um, listening, he'll he'll think I'd put Joe up to that as well. So Might do one for the board, eh? Magnificent teamwork. Um, I I think in keeping with recent podcasts, I'd like to get every captain of uh, EFL side probably into a nice um, meeting room at St George's Park and give them that um those pointers on how to make their teammates tweet better stuff <laughs> clarky's clarky's put the business proposal together last week <laughs> so just give me that opportunity and i feel a little bit presumptuous that anyone would listen to me considering my twitter is dreadful but it's because i'm pretty inactive so um just give me that opportunity and i will uh get the fans closer to the players lovely uh adrian what have you got I would def- I would target Wayne Rooney at Derby. I'd get a little montage together, um, and I'd put the I'd put the video to the to the to the sound of Kelly Clarkson's classic, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." Yeah, we all know that one, don't we? And 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 I'd get. Do you know what I'd do? I'd get clips of Palace, 
Southampton, Coventry, all looking forlorn, down in the dumps, all went into administration. And then I'd flip it and show where they are now. Palace, Premier League, flying. Southampton, Premier League, Coventry, back, back at the Rico, flying. Just get that message across to Wayne that, you know, ride this out. You, you'll become a better manager by steering Derby, you know, through... Through the shit times, for want of a better phrase, you'll learn more. He's probably learning more than Lampard did at Chelsea. He's probably learning more than Gerard did at Rangers. He's having to do the lot at Derby, and yeah, I'd be urging him to to see it out because it will make it, that pathway to the Everton job. I'd have that as a motivational speak. You know, you just put that little carrot there. So, like, if you want that, you've got to go through through the crap now with Derby and, and see it through. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would do, but not a pro. Uh, couldn't disagree more with that. If I was going to go for a Wayne Rooney, Kelly Clarkson song, read Derby, it would be walk away uh, every day. <laughs> uh, no, I, went, I went slightly differently with this. I just picked a load of motivational messages off the internet and then applied them to EFL people by adding a bit on the end. So for our friend Wayne Rooney, I've got, it's going to be hard, but hard does not mean impossible. Oh, wait, in this case, it actually does. Uh, one for Brennan Johnson. Falling down is an accident. Staying down is a choice. Not getting a pen for falling down is because of a campaign waged against you by certain members of this podcast. Uh, one for Steve Evans. Don't talk, just act. Don't say, just show. Don't promise, just prove. Or just don't talk. Uh, and finally, to Scunthorpe supporters, a hill is just another opportunity to leave your competition behind. Hopefully, they will find that that is the case. Um, Joe, it's been lovely to have you. I hope you've had a nice time and you come back and see us soon. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it and keep up the great work, guys. Clarky, busy week ahead for you, I'm sure, but we'll be speaking again soon. Absolutely, yeah. Look forward to the next time. Sam, pleasure as always. Thanks, Matt. See you soon. Many thanks to, to producer Abby as well and also to you, listener. Do join us on Thursday if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.